Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, it's a Tuesday night, so footy Tinder is back in its regular home. And we're going to try and answer the question tonight, do we really have a problem with top 20 draft picks always wanting to head home? We'll find out. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Absolutely superb to have you on board. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can. However you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, it is wonderful to have you on board the Sporting Capital this evening. However you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, you can always give us a call, one 736 736 On the Harcourts open line, your move, your Harcourts. Uh, for all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. For all things sport, please speak to me, one 736 736 You can text in at any stage too on the 40 Winks uh, temper text. That's 433 Consumer choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Um, tonight, we're going to stick to footy, mainly this evening. After 7.30, I'm going to try and answer the question. After yesterday's trades, where three top five draft picks all secured moves back home early on in their careers, um, one, after th- uh, one after four years, one after three years, one after one year, Um, I'm going to try and answer the question, do we have a problem with interstate players that are taken in the top 20 wanting to go home? Is it a flood? Is it it just a a stampede of players trying to get out of the state that they've been drafted to that's not their home state? Or is it this being overblown? So I'm going to put some time into some research, not just a suburb in Melbourne, uh, and we're going to see if we can answer that question a little later on. Before we finish up at 8 o'clock, um, by the way, off the tee, myself and Nick Ahern, uh, all the big issues in the world of golf we'll discuss at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, before we go to, uh, Bowls Australia have got a, uh, a campaign that they're uh, going to be part of, a nationwide campaign to encourage lower alcohol options at the Bowls Club. So we'll be speaking to the boss uh, of Bowls Australia as well, which is very exciting. Um, but as we do every Tuesday night, uh, we like to do some swiping. So it's time for this. On the Sporting Capital, it's time to start swiping with Footy Tinder. Uh, Footy Tinder, if you've never played before, is where producer Lincoln is going to come in and play us uh, several bits of audio, some big opinions from some very big names. And you swipe left if you disagree. You swipe right if you agree. You can text in whether you're swiping left or right 
on the 40 Winks temper text, 0433 98 11 16. You can call on the Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. So it works just like Tinder. Uh, you see a profile, you swipe left if you're keen to get to know that per- uh, You swipe left if you're not keen on that person. You swipe right if you are. Left if you're not keen on these statements. Right if you are. And you get one super like, which is swipe up. And you only get one of those because uh, any more than one, you have to start paying on Tinder. And as I always say, if you have to start paying for Tinder, there's a problem. Uh, Producer Lincoln, hello, mate. Back by popular demand. <laughs> Sam, it's never a chore in the studio here with you, so great to be back. Nice. Flattery will get you everywhere. Um, where are we starting tonight, please? We may start with David King on Port Adelaide. But that, that's an outstanding effort. So it gives them a chance next year to win the flag. And I think this is why they're, they're, there's an urgency there. Both 34, Dixon 32, Jonas and, and Lysette are 30-plus as well. So they're, they're for the now. They've nearly said, OK, we've got to fast-track the next wave coming through. So you bracket, you bracket Horn Francis with Butters, Rosie and Marshall and these guys as the next wave, but it's now for Port. This is Ken Hinckley's flag opportunity right here, right now in 2023. Um, Port Adelaide will be the biggest risers in 2023. Yeah, I'll swipe right on that. So there's so Max Lawton from Fox Sports has done numbers on this, that every year there's at least two people that fall out of the eight and one that falls out of the four and out of the eight completely. And there is always someone who jumps, and, and very regularly there is a team that comes from out of the eight and into the four. So I think that, for me, it's Port Adelaide that jump from out of the eight back into the four. I think Junior Rioli meets a really strong need, as you just heard from David King. Uh, if Jason Horn francis can be the player that he was in his last two years uh, before he got drafted playing against men, um, there's no excuses now, apart from the fact that, you're a second-year player, and some players take a little more time than others. Um, but they needed help in the midfield. He gives them that. If he's going to play regularly, they needed help in the small forward space. It all hinges on, I think, Charlie Dixon's fitness. And I think they need one more key back. That's that For me, that's, that's pretty much all they're missing. But I can see them getting straight back up into the four. So they were... Came 11th with a 10 and 12 record, but that's with losing the first five matches. Mm. And they were obviously second after the home and away season in 2021. Um, do you think Asaba Radagalia fills that void if he comes in and goes down back? Yes. Just don't know how that's getting done um, at this stage and, and how they would um, meet any Geelong uh, requests. They've got pick 33, 60 and 84. Me personally, I think, um, I think 33 should get it done. Geelong have barely played him. When they have, he's played really well, especially as a, as a key defender and an intercept defender. He's been fantastic. Um, so, and he just wants to play footy now. So I think, um, I think there'd be, you know, I think that they'd really rocket up people's dra- uh, ladder orders if, if they can just sort that particular part out. Um, but they've got the help in the midfield they need. And no Robbie Gray. I know that he is, hasn't been the player that he, he was for the last couple of years, but he still is an important part of what they do. So hopefully Junior Rioli can play in the manner that he did in the 2018 season for West Coast and, and really light it up because he is enormous upside. He's as skilled a player as there is uh, in the competition. And Connor Rosie, I think, takes another big step forward um, next year. The best From a best 22 perspective, it's essentially Robbie Gray retiring, Carl Amon obviously now at Hawthorne, and then it's Junior Rioli coming in, Jason Horn-Francis, and then potentially Salva Radigalia coming in. So just repeat those for me. So Robbie Gray retired, Carl Amon at 
Hawthorne and then potentially Junior Rioli, Jason Horn francis and Asaba Radically are coming in. Yeah, so I think that's okay. And I think that they strengthen in areas that they need to be strengthened in. But they found that they found ways to score without Charlie Dixon, but I just think he's the integral piece well, if he stays fit. Year. Marshall had a great year. Hopefully Georgiades can as well. Uh, and then you look at that forward line and you've got to find a way to fit them all in. But um, what they do with Finlayson now, with what he did in the ruck. So, you know, Dixon, Marshall, um, Georgiades, and then um, who are your smalls that are going to play in that uh, area? If they can get Fantasia fit, if you can get, you know, Junior Rioli is fit and firing and ready to go, it's pretty potent. Pretty potent. So I, I can see that happening. So I swap uh, right on that one for me. A couple off the text already. Fletch says he's swapping left on that. He can't see them uh, jumping back up into the four. Michael is super liking there. He's got power to win the premiership. Uh, and double seven eight uh, off the 40 Winks temper text. He's swapping left on that uh, as well. What's next? Uh, we'll go back to David King, this time on North Melbourne. Oh, double tinder. Um, double tinder starring role for D King. Here we go. I'm extremely frustrated by this. As I just don't know at what stage North Melbourne will decide to invest in a tall forward of note. And there's one sitting there. You hold the pick that will secure this guy for a decade. They overlooked Logan McDonald a few years ago and everyone said, OK, you've gone for Phillips. We'll wait and see. OK? And I understand that. It's a wait and see. But when you see what GWS have done to come up the board to get this guy, I think a country Victorian kid, like he's an hour down the road. Like, this is perfect for them. Now, clearly they don't rate him as high as what everyone else does, mm. and that's okay, and time will tell. But it's a big gamble for a football club where not much has gone right for three or four years. Do you four know what there's a risk years. profile with Ralphie? Yeah. Anyone that's gone to the Kangaroos in the last three years yeah. has been a risk profile, staff and players. So the question, uh, the statement is, North Melbourne trading the number one pick shows a lack of faith in their own system. No, I'll, I'll swap left on that. I thought it was a great idea to trade Jason Horn francis I thought they read the tea leaves well. Um, I heard Brady Rawlings uh, speaking to Gary and Sam Edmund this morning, and he said, we've got all the information. We believed it was the best decision. I agree with him. I think that where it's got to now, it was the right decision for them to trade Jason Horn francis And I was, um, I was pretty bullish on trading the number one pick. I just thought they would have got more for it. I just didn't think they got enough back for it. Um, what Kingy's talking about, though, there is about... What do they need that they don't have? And they need another key forward for Nick Larkey. And then if you've got that and also Cam Zerha, who's going to stay, then that's, that's the future of your forward line. So I can understand why he's frustrated because it was an eyebrow raiser when they went for Logan McDonald over Will And we don't know what Will Phillips is going to be. I'm echoing Kingy here. But if, if Cadman is the player that people say that he is, then it he, he could be generational. So, and key forwards... They're still, you know, I still reckon they're maybe the most important piece to what you've got. Um, you, I don't think you can win a premiership without them. So, yeah, I'll look at their midfield numbers and they're getting better in the midfield. They were 16th for contested possession this year, but they were 8th for centre clearance. So they've made real improvement in, in those areas. Um, so I'm, I'm swapping left to the statement, but there's a lot of what Kingy had to say that I'd swap right to that... You must have your eye on somebody else. You must be confident that you've got the guy to partner Nick Larkey for the rest of his career because um, he's done enough to show that he deserves to be, um, you know, one of your two-pronged tall forwards. So you must be really confident that you've got the guy. We just don't know about it yet. Uh, we might head to Dwayne Russell now. Oh, the pipe. Yes, please. 
There's a new battle in footy, Jules. It's not just the battle to win a flag. It's the battle to be relevant. And that's the, that's the bigger battle. Port Adelaide's biggest win wasn't the flag win. It was getting the tarps off the seats. So I'm going to apply um, his Port Adelaide example to a more modern day one. This one's a little bit more left field, but... West Coast's 2018 premiership has been undermined by how badly they have fallen in the years since. <laughs> now, are you going to declare who you barrack no, for I'm, here? I'm not, actually, not. <laughs> well, this isn't me saying this is what I think. No, this no. is my statement, which I'm going to let you have your opinion on. No, fair enough. Um, no, I'm going to swipe left on that because... What what you I mean people we're, we're often used to and we have been a little used to teams in um, whether it be Geelong or going back to Brisbane early two thousands and Geelong and then Hawthorne and then Richmond and and we see dynasties we've seen four dynasties in the last uh, twenty two years it doesn't always work like that um, I think that they've severely fallen off a cliff I, I don't argue with that at all like startlingly so fallen off a cliff West Coast. Um, but it doesn't diminish a flag. I think their biggest thing is their membership as well, which is obviously over 100,000. Absolutely. They are an incredibly strong and powerful club. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it has just fallen in a heap um, in terms of the on-field performance. And um, sometimes, yeah, the the ground comes up to meet you pretty quickly. And if you haven't, you know, pulled the ripcord, then there can be pretty dire consequences. And I just don't think they realised where they were at and maybe didn't see forest for trees and maybe didn't see the decline as it was happening. Dwayne's comments were sort of in talking about Port Adelaide in the 2011-2012 period where they had to put the tarps on the seats because they couldn't get the crowd. And he was saying how they've come back into relevancy since then. I don't think West Coast will ever be irrelevant as a football club given no. how strong their membership base no. is. So I don't One think- of the, the, if you redid what we traditionally knew as the big four, yeah, um, West Coast are a big four. Uh, so, yeah, I'm swapping left on you uh, for that one. Hey, um, hold those thoughts because we'll do a bit more on the other side of this. Um, your text coming through from your footy tender, 0433 Uh This one's uh, nice. I'm swapping right on producer Lincoln. Uh, love it. Nice recruit, Sam. So, again, the fan mail continues to come. How do you know that Greater Western Sydney are taking Cadman? Great point. The belief is that that's who they traded up to get pick one for, but that could be wrong. So that changes all of what we've just been talking about substantially and maybe North Melbourne know a little something and maybe that's how it'll pan out. Don't, it's not my hunch at the minute, but could very, very well, it could very well be wrong. Um, fellas, 10 of the top 12 big forwards on this year's common list weren't first picked big forward in their draft. No stress for North Melbourne. That's from Phil in Abbotsford. Uh, and a couple more coming through off the text. Uh, Swap right on Port's Rise. Uh, cash in, lads. That's from Freddie. Um, Sammy, Tinder's tightening up uh, like Brisbane's trade team. No free super likes. They only give you five a week if you do pay. Info from the ad only. I ain't paying for that. Thank you for that Tinder update too um, from Freddie. And a few people saying that to jump out of the eight and back into the four, um, a lot of people tipping that that'll be the Tigers uh, that do that. And that is a great shout. I've got no drama with that one being thrown up, especially after the trade period they've had bringing in uh, Taranto and Hopper to bolster uh, that ageing midfield. Uh, this is footy ten to get swiping. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the forty wings temper text. You can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line. Back with more. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. 
Uh, we're doing some swiping on some footy Tinder. Producer Lincoln's in here, and he's been setting up some very, very compelling um, statements for us to swipe on. I've been enjoying it so far, and good response coming in off the 40 Winks temper text. What's next for us, please? Short and sharp from Sam Edmund here. At, at the end of the day, this is one of the biggest trades in AFL history. I want to go a step further than Sam and say this is the biggest trade period of all time. Uh, I'll super like that. I can't remember a bigger one. I can't remember when, you know, there's never been a trade where picks one, two, and three were all involved in it. You've got a guy who was on a seven-year, $7 million contract just traded for pick 27. You've got a team in the Gold Coast Suns who are giving away a player that they basically raised and created with pick seven just to get rid of salary that they can't afford to pay. Pick seven. Pick seven. Look at how many pick sevens have been nabrising stars over the time. It's, pick seven's a great pick, and they're doing it to be able to ease their salary cap pressure. You've got the Giants have just let t- their two next-generation midfielders go. You've got um, – I'm missing a ton. You know, um, there's just – there is so much of this trade period. I'm super liking that. I've never seen a trade period like this. It is nuts. Geelong, they've had a pretty good record with pick sevens in the draft as well. Uh, what do you got next? Um – We'll go with Liam Pickering, yeah? You mean Josh Dunkley. Are you confident that deal gets done to Brisbane? Uh, I hope so, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm confident, yeah. Yeah, I'm confident. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be at the Bulldogs, so he, he wants to be in Brisbane. So you, hopefully the two teams can work out something that they're all happy with. There was a suggestion that the, the Bulldogs might make him walk to the draft. Well, that'd be ludicrous. Wouldn't get nothing for him. I mean, that's just cutting off your nose to spot your face. We'll end up with nothing for him. You know, I mean, they've got a good relationship, Josh and the coach, so I'd hope that, you know, it wouldn't end up in that situation because I think that would be a, a, a poor reflection, you know, on, on when they have got a good relationship. And I think, you know, at this time, everyone's posturing, so I get it, and I'm not, you know, going to say too much more. I want to quickly run through some stats for you before uh, I ask this question. I'd be very quick. We've got about 45 seconds. Tim Taranto traded for picks 12 and 19, 24 years old, 114 games. Josh Dunkley, 25 years old, 116 games. I'm asking, was Brisbane's offer for Josh Dunkley insulting? Uh, he's a premiership player as well and a best and fairest winner. Taranto's a best and fairest winner in a grand final year, so it's a great comp. Um, it's not insulting. It's the picks back the other way that they wanted that I think it was just maybe a little bit unrealistic. Um, I don't think that's insulting. I think you've got to try and get what you can um, and do the best deal you can for your club. It's not insulting, um, but it it's a bit... Um, it, but to me, it was unrealistic. You're asking for too much back the other way. So from the dog's point of view, they've only got what they've got, um, Brisbane. So this is the second time this bloke's asked to leave your club. I understood digging your heels in the first time, but he's out of contract this time and he ain't coming back to you. So why would you want to walk away for nothing? I know pride is a wonderful thing to have, but pride comes before the fall. You don't want to you don't want to harm what you might be able to do in the future by getting stuck in the past. So I would say, yep, Brisbane unrealistic, but now the Western Bulldogs need to get realistic. You've only got what you've got. Hey, great job. Thanks, Sam. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of this with the Sporting Capital. I'm going to try and solve a problem. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. A few texts coming through about this report. Um, uh, Tom Brown apparently reporting it. Uh, Jay Clark as well in the Herald Sun that uh, Ollie Henry has told the Magpies he does not want to play for the club next season. Um, and according to a, a text that's come in, Tom Brown is saying that Ollie Henry has told Craig McRae that he's not returning to Collingwood and will not sign the one-year contract that's been offered to him. So 
um, according to the article in the Herald Sun by Jay Clark, uh, Henry battled homesickness this year, uh, struggled to settle into Melbourne life, and on Tuesday informed the club he did not want to sign a one-year deal at Collingwood. Um, Geelong offered pick 25, which was knocked back by Collingwood, um, who are adamant it has to be 17 or higher from various reports. Um, so that is, they're at loggerheads at the moment. Um, but that sounds pretty adamant from Ollie Henry that he's done his two years and uh, he doesn't want to be at Collingwood anymore. So, and being prepared to walk yourself to the draft with no real certainty about where you'll end up, um, I don't think you can get. Um, I don't think you can get more uh, clear cut than that, uh, and more comprehensive than that. I mean, there just seems to be there's no way of turning this guy around. Uh, homesickness is an interesting one, given the proximity of Geelong. To Collingwood, I wonder whether there might be a way for him to, to commute. Um, but I'm uh, looking at the looking at the bridge at the moment. It's not an easy commute uh, back and forth to Geelong. I'll have to speak to Adam Cooney uh, about that one. But you can tell me if you do that. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the um, forty winks temper text, or you can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. This is the Sporting Capital. Sam Hargraves with you. Um, those are the numbers to call if you want to. Uh, that is the number to call on the Harcourts open line if you do want to do that. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. For all things sport, speak to me. Or you can text in 0433981116 on the uh, 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, uh, serious about sleep. Um, I wanted to try and solve a, um, a growing concern to see if there is any truth um, to the idea that there is no point in interstate, there is no point drafting an interstate player with a top 20 pick. That's starting to come through a little bit more um, over this trade period. People are starting to raise the question, do you really throw away or should you be looking to throw away a top 20 pick on someone from interstate? And I'll say top 20 pick because I don't think it's as big an issue if it is a big issue with lower draft picks who are just happy to, to, to get the chance to prove themselves at AFL level. But top 20 picks often have hype around them. They've got more of a profile. They um, would have more suitors. Um, they would have more options in the early stages of their career. So I wanted to try and have a look and see, is this really an issue or is it a furphy? Um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it too. one 736 or 0433981116. Do you get nervous come draft day when your team calls out an interstate player with a top 20 pick? So I thought I'd go back and have a look over time. And I've just gone back to the 2015 draft. So this isn't even... So this isn't even going to the, the, the Tom Lynch days, the Prestia, the Boyds, the Gunstons, the Pattons... The top those the first four all left early in their careers to to go back and end up winning premierships uh, where they went. I'm not even going there first, so I'm starting at the 2015 draft. And of the 2015 draft, at the 2015 draft, so I'm only dealing in top 20 picks. So in the 2015 draft, uh, there were eight top 20 picks that were drafted to interstate clubs. Uh, only two are still remaining from the 2015 draft. Three of them went home to their home state. Now, two of those asked to be traded. So Josh Shackey asked to be traded. Um, Matt Kennedy, uh, sorry, um, Burton from Hawthorne went to back to Port Adelaide, but that was a forced trade. Uh, and I would say that um, 
I would say that I actually just can't read my own writing on that other one. So I'm going to come back to that one. But those numbers are correct. So two of the eight still remain. Three of them asked to be traded home. Um, Of the 2016 draft pick, uh, Fiorini, that was the other one, Uh, but he hasn't asked to be traded yet, traded yet. Um, so that doesn't that, that one didn't count in the overall number, so I don't even need to bring it up. So eight interstate players drafted in the top 20 in 2015, two remain uh, at their club. Of 2016, there were 15 interstate players taken in the top 20. Eight still remain at their club. Taranto just asked to be traded. Setterfield asked to be traded home. Petrovsky seaton asked to be traded home. Scrimshaw was more of a mutual but still wanted to get home once he realised where things were at. Griffin Logue is no longer there, but he didn't head home. So eight of the 15 are still where they were drafted and four asked to be traded home. In 2017, 11 interstate players drafted in the top 20. Six still remain. Two asked to go home, Adam Chera and Aidan Bonner. Stevenson, um, uh, sorry, Matt Ling was delisted. Um, 2018. 13 interstate players taken, eight still remain at the club, four asked to go home. Isaac Rankin, the most recent of them, but Caldwell, Haitley and Clark from Geelong to Fremantle all asked to be traded home. 2019, of the 14 interstate players that were drafted in that year, 12 still remain, but we're getting closer to some of them still being in their initial contract. One of them has asked to go home, and that's Luke Jackson, who was traded home in this trade period. There are rumours that Cozzy Pickett may have been looking to do the same thing. That was uh, dismissed out of hand by Melbourne, but those rumours still bubble away that if it's not this year, it might be next year. Um, For the 2020 draft, who have just finished their initial two-year draft deal, there were seven interstate players taken in the top 20. Two have already asked to go home. Um... Now, of those two, one of them isn't an interstate player, but it's still another player asking to go home. So Tanner Bruin, who's asked to come back to Victoria and he's heading to Geelong. And Ollie Henry, it's not an interstate player, but he's still a player asking to go home and saying homesickness is a factor in this. And that is at the completion of their two-year initial contract. Um, 2021, already the number one draft pick, still hadn't finished his initial two-year deal. Jason Horn Francis asked to be sent home. So you tell me if those numbers suggest that there is a problem. So the players that have stayed where they got drafted in a state, and there's a caveat on some of these because there's not a there's not a club for them back in their home state, like Daniel Rioli from the 2017 draft. But Tom Duday still the Adelaide Crows. McCluggage, Ainsworth, Florent, Marshall, Berry, Pal Pepper, English from the 2016 draft are all still at the interstate club that drafted them. Rayner, Brayshaw, Norton, Bailey, Starsevich and Powell are all the interstate clubs that drafted them from the 2017 draft. 2018, Callum Coleman-Jones is still interstate, but he's not at the same club that drafted him. 2018, Lacocious, King. Now, Thomas and Jones are both Tasmanians, so there's not a club for them to go home to. Um, so there's a, an asterisk next to them. Butters, McHenry, Sturt and Dersma are all still the interstate clubs that drafted them. From the 2019 draft, Rail, Anderson, Ash, Stevens, Mackesy, Sarong, Flanders, Pickett, Day, Bergman and Georgiades is all still at the interstate clubs that drafted them. From the 2020 draft, McDonald, Denver Granger, Barass, Hollins, Powell, Stone and Angwin are all the interstate clubs that still drafted them. I went through and had a look at the clubs and how many clubs since the 2015 draft have taken an interstate player and how many of them still remain and what's the breakdown for them. So the Adelaide Crows have taken four interstate players 
in the draft and four have remained. The Brisbane Lions have taken six and five still remain. And that's a great example of how the wheel can turn. Because if you remember the Brisbane Lions, they could not keep an interstate player. Um, just before Justin Lepich and during Justin Lepich, that period of time, they had about five, six, seven that were all interstaters that wanted to head home. So that's how they've turned it around, the Brisbane Lions. They're a destination club now and have more interstate players putting their hand up to go there. Carlton have just taken the one interstate player, Petrovsky Skeeton, and he's gone home. Collingwood haven't done it. Essendon have had one interstate player and lost that interstate player. Fremantle have taken five interstate players, kept four, lost one. Geelong have taken one in the top 20 and lost that one. That was Clark. So these are the top 20 picks. So there's more, but I'm talking top 20 draft picks. And these are the picks that you agonise over. These are the picks that have all the value to them. These are the make or break picks. The rest can be speculation, but not these ones. You can't afford to get these picks wrong. The Gold Coast are really interesting. So 10 interstate players taken since 2015 that were from interstate. Six of them have stayed. Four of them have left. And the most recent is Isaac Rankin. The Giants is a real issue. Nine players taken from interstate since 2015 draft. Three remain. Two of those have barely played uh, any senior footy. Ash is the only regular from, the, from that that's, um, that's a senior player. Six of the nine have asked to be traded back home. Hawthorne have taken two and kept two. Melbourne have taken two. Lost one in Jackson and kept one in Pickett. North Melbourne have taken two and kept two. Um, Port Adelaide have taken four and kept four. Richmond have taken one and kept one. St Kilda, none. Sydney have taken two and kept two. West Coast have taken one and lost one. And the Western Bulldogs have taken two interstaters in the top 20 and have kept those two in the top 20. So I want to ask you, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Should we be worried? Should you be worried about your team calling out a player from interstate's name as a top twenty pick? I've just read out the numbers to you. There is it a problem? Yes or no? I think it's a bigger problem than what we might realise. And it seems, with the caveat on that, that the major issue is at the moment the Giants. It, it might not be as big an issue at clubs that we thought it was. The Gold Coast are turning it around. Brisbane have only lost the one. But it is certainly a greater Western Sydney problem. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 one I think we've just got... Oh, don't tell me. Oh, goodness me. After all that effort, <laughs> after all that effort, uh, the phone lines have just had a little... Um, a little meltdown on us. Um, geez, it took me a long time to write all that out too. That's okay. Uh, so, Phil, so of the last 100 top 20 picks, i.e. five years of drafting, how many of them have been traded home? I don't think it's too many, Phil. Yes, I've just read the numbers out there. Um, Patrick Cripps is a top 20 pick. Get your facts right. Yeah, but when was he taken? I said it since the 2015 draft. So clean your ears out. My facts are right. Patrick Cripps was the 2013 draft. I've said since 2020, uh, since 2015. So I understand you're getting upset about Paddy Cripps, but he wasn't in the calculation because I've only gone back to the 2015 draft. Um, hi, Sam. Are all the home si- or are, they, are they all homesick or do they just want to go uh, to a premiership contender? Phil Taranto sees Richmond closer to a flag than GWS currently. My thought anyway. That's from Dan uh, in Roeville. Um, 
perhaps it's a sign we do go back to zones and let clubs invest in their regions. I'm wondering whether it's a case of saying that when if you get drafted um, to the Giants or the Suns, that maybe they get a little bit longer in the contract with you um, to try and just make sure that you are embraced into the fold for a bit longer period of time so that they don't lose you. But as I said, the Gold Coast Suns are, are, are turning it around uh, in that space. They're not losing as many as they once did. They're keeping them. Um, 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. Uh, first round draft picks need to harden up, says Andrew. It's a national competition. Um, there's a long text there. Are the Suns and Giants for real with these crazy trades they're doing all because they put themselves in salary cap trouble? Why would the GWS bring another slow, old-fashioned ruckman and let Hopper go for that deal? They didn't get a ruck in that deal. Can't be for real. They have three ruckmen and took another slow one just because he's available. Um, they do get into salary cap issues because they have to pay more to keep people there. So that's probably part of what we're talking about here. Is it an issue taking, you know, should they be looking to be a little bit more creative in the draft? And when they bring, you know, the players that Brisbane have been getting up there, most of them are country kids. That's what McCluggage and Berry, who were best mates, um, they were. Most of them end up being, Matheson's a Geelong guy, um, I'm fairly sure. They tend to be country kids that they take up there. Uh, 0433981116 on the 40 Winks Temper Text, 1300-736-736. Appreciate all the calls that were coming through. We had a lot of them. We've just had an issue with uh, the phone system, so apologies uh, about that. It's going to make it uh, really interesting to see if we can do our next interview, by the way, with uh, uh, Bowls Australia. Uh, They've got a nationwide campaign to encourage lower alcohol options at Bowls Clubs. I'll keep working through those texts uh, if we can't do that. Uh, On the other side of the break, this is the Sporting Capital uh, on SEN. The group that we've got at the moment will, will stick together and um, they, they feel that they can build some long-term success. So uh, I, don't, I don't feel like we're a feeder club for, for Southern clubs. Um, the only thing that it potentially does is cause um, causes tension in the player payment area. Um, man- managers will often use it. That's Craig Cameron, the Suns' list boss, saying that they do not feel like they are a feeder club uh, to the other footballing or traditional footballing states. We've been talking, um, been talking about whether or not there is an issue with top 20 draft picks. If you draft a player with a top 20 pick from interstate, um, how often are we losing them? So I just went through the numbers then, and it's, it's worth going through um, for various reasons. But as I said before, uh, and someone was asking me about Jacob Hopper. I didn't include Jacob Hopper in this because he's an academy player and he is a New South Wales player. So that was off the text. I don't have the text up anymore. We just had a little issue uh, with our phone box. So sorry if you're trying to call through. There was a lot of people wanting to uh, give me a bell uh, about this. Um, but essentially, if you go back over the 2015 draft, of the eight interstate players taken, two still remain. Three asked to go home. 2017, of the 11 interstate players taken in the top 20, six remain, two asked to go home. 2019, uh, sorry, 2016 of the 15 interstate players, eight remain uh, and four asked to be traded home. 2018, 13 interstate players taken in the top 20, eight still remain, four asked to go home. Um, 2019, 12 of the 14 interstate players taken in the top 20 are still there. One has asked to go home, that was Jackson. Um, and of the seven interstate players taken in the top 20 in the 2020 draft, five still remain, two have um, asked to go home, and of the 2021 draft, uh, 12 interstate players taken in the top 20, one has asked to go home, and that was Jason 
Horn Francis. So is it an issue? I mentioned before that it is certainly still an issue for the Giants. The Gold Coast Suns have had 10 interstate players they've taken in the top 20s, and this is all since the 2015 draft. So I haven't gone back any further than 2015. Look to make it as recent as possible. Gold Coast Suns have taken 10 players within the top 20 uh, since the 2015 draft. Six still remain, and four have asked to be traded home. The Giants, though, have taken nine. Only three remain, and six have asked to be taken home, and two of them don't play um, regular football uh, at this stage. Uh, Ash is the one of those that does, um, and he's still there. So there is an issue. Brisbane Lions, though, you might think, well, they surely have an issue. No, six interstate players taken in the top uh, 20 since the 2015 draft. Five of those are still there, and only one asked to go home, and that was Josh Shackey. So it's not all interstate clubs. Sydney have taken two from interstate within the top 20. Both of those players are still there. So is it an issue? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A little bit else around at the moment. Um, Herald Sun are reporting they've got the first couple of bits of detail about what uh, the recommendations have been out of Essendon's external review um, in terms of what they need to do to bolster their football department. They seem very similar to what was said that they would do after the internal review, but I'm sure there is more to come. Uh, Damien Barrett was reporting today that there is a possibility that there could be a challenge, another challenge, uh, to the board and to the presidency of Dave Barr. And Matty Lloyd spoke about that on Trade Radio today. I think Brad Scott needs to be equipped for anything. Always a few murmurings around board challenges mm. and challenges to David Barr. What are you hearing? Uh, well, that in the next maybe week, Kane, or even earlier than that, that we'll know uh, as an industry whether uh, there is going to be a challenge to the board and to David Barham, which would just unsettle everything and just make things so if you get to that situation where you might have to add on a few board members of another team's challenge and and you know just to appease and come together and try and negotiate those types of things Kane. so yeah, yeah. it could be a bit to play out uh in the next week you know so, at Essen, yeah so that was Matty Lloyd with Kane Corns on uh, Trade Radio they're back tomorrow morning from 7 a.m. um there is still plenty of drama surrounding the Essendon Footy Club uh, at the moment. Um, Brady Rawlings, who's uh, doing all the list work at the moment at North Melbourne, um, amongst pretty trying circumstances, I would imagine. Um, part of the mega deal that was executed yesterday was the fact that Jason Horn francis would head back uh, home and, and would get his way to Port Adelaide um, after only being at the club for a year. He's their only ever number one draft pick. Um, they also relinquished this year's number one pick and they got, uh, for those two um, items or for those two assets... Jason Horn francis and pick one. They've got pick two and pick three in this year's draft and a future first, uh, but that's tied to Port Adelaide uh, and how they finish next season. Um, so Brady Rawlings spoke about... Um, he spoke about why the trade works for them. I'll play that for you in just a minute, but this is what he had to say um, about why they were comfortable in trading Jason Horn francis The thing that probably um, people don't realise, we've got all the information. As a club, we know everything um, that has occurred this year. Um, so we've got all the information at hand, and a lot of people don't. Um, and our decision to facilitate the trade for Jason to go home was based on all the information we've got at hand. 
So that was Brady Rawlings speaking to Gary Lyon and Sam Edmund today. Also spoke about David King was really critical on them not positioning themselves with that pick one to make a play at uh, Aaron Cadman, who was the full forward in the under-18s uh, All-Australian side uh, from the Greater Western Victorian Rebels. Uh, he's The comp that everyone's making is Jeremy Cameron, uh, who he plays like. He is a big unit uh, and uh, apparently considered to be a 10- to 15-year key forward proposition. Um Brady Rawlings, though, spoke as to why that if they don't get him, and who knows, the Giants may look to increase their midfield. Uh, they might not take him, but Brady Rawlings said why they're comfortable if they don't get him. We feel like um, there is some support there for Nick. We, we just want to develop uh, a couple of our players that are, that are in those roles. We've got Charlie Combin, who's... Um, you know, he's had a bit of a bad run with injury, but he's a he's a real talent and launches at the footy and he's an absolute competitor and very mobile. Um, so we we want to continue to develop Charlie into that role. Um, we traded in Cal- Calman Jones last year who can who can ruck and, and play forward. And we've seen Todd play forward as well. And um, so there we go. That was Brady Rawlings, SEN.com.au to hear the full chat. Sorry we couldn't get to your calls at the end. We're going to change direction off the tee. Our golf show is up next on SEN. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to Off the Tee. Sam Hargraves, Nick Ahern with you. Great to have your company as we just delve into the wonderful world of golf. And it is a pleasure, as always, to be joined by the former world uh, number 16, the only man with the two-zip record against the great Tiger Woods. Nick, Hello. G'day, Sam. Great to be here again. Great to be here with you. Can I? Can you just indulge me for a moment? I know this is probably going to be a little awkward on the podcast when we put this up at sen.com.au, but just on the little chat I was having before about uh, draftees wanting to go home, Phil in Abbotsford had a question. Sam, you've read out a lot of numbers. Just simply, how many of the last 100 top 20 picks have asked to go home? That cuts to the core of it. Well, Phil, since 2015, of the top 20 draft picks taken, 17 have asked to go home. Thank you. Uh, now... Let's turn our attention. <laughs> well, that's a fair point from no, Phil, and I didn't was. want to leave it out because like, there was the one thing I forgot to read out. I did every year in, in isolation. Yeah. Didn't just give him the total amount. People are busy, Nick. Absolutely. They don't have time to listen to me waffle <laughs> on <laughs> and labour You're updating them on everything. It's yeah, great. it was a bit much. Uh, Phil's 100% right. Thanks, Phil, in Abbotsford. Um, geez, there's been a lot uh, to get through this week. Why don't we start with um, – we'll, we'll, we'll start with the positive stuff. Won't okay. We? Not okay. that it's not positive, but we – yeah, there's, a, there's a, obviously a bit happening uh, in the world of golf. So um, let's start with um, some of the results. The performance of Tom Kim mm. does something that only Tiger Woods has been able to do. Yep. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to steal your stat here, but no, I'm more, than, a, happy for I'm, let, no, I'm more than happy for you to wheel <laughs> it out. Uh, first player since Tiger Woods to get two PGA wins before he turns 21. He... Um, it was involved in an incredible last day um, in the PGA. Now, is it Shriners or Shriners? Shriners. Shriners yeah, Children's Shriners. Open in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible performance. In the end, a, a three-shot win over Patrick Cantlay. And we'll speak about the uh, the, capitula- the Cantlay mm. capitulation. Say that three times fast. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I'd get myself in trouble. Um, Bogey-free in the whole four days and a three-shot win. This guy is a star. Yeah. He, he is a superstar, and it was interesting because he he won this event in a different fashion, I guess, to what you saw him at the President's Cup. We saw him a couple of weeks ago, mm. and he was fist pumping, he was walking putts in, he was, 
you know, very vocal, and that's a side of him that no one had really seen before. The Koreans aren't really known for that on the golf course. And he kind of went back to the usual style of play that, that he does uh, have, you know, stays within himself, uh, very consistent, very solid, not too many theatrics going on. Bogey-free, that is incredible. I mean, to play 72, I mean, to play nine holes without a bogey is pretty impressive. 18 mm. is uh, is very rare, but then to do it four days in a row, uh, that was an outstanding effort from him. But he, he thanked his caddy uh, in a big way afterwards, a guy called Joe mm. Scovran, who was on the bag of Ricky Fowler for a number of years, about 10 years or so. And the last couple of years on Ricky ba- Fowler's bag have been not great. I mean, Ricky hasn't played very good golf over the last few years. The President's Cup, I believe, was their first week together. And obviously we saw what happened there at the President's Cup. And then to come out and then play this event, their first event together uh, on a paid event, I guess you could say, to come out and win was just incredible. And I was watching some of the footage during the week and and he said some things to Tom that were just like spot on. In, In crucial situations, I think it was on the 16th hole, for instance, he had to lay up. And Tom, you could sort of see, was overthinking things. He mm. was just, you know, things were starting to get fast on him and he, he was trying to break it down, going, oh, but, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And, and Joe just says, look, this isn't complicated. Just hit a lob wedge in the fairway and we'll go from there. It was the best thing he could have said to him. He did that. And then you spoke about the Cantlay capitulation on well, 18. That was fascinating to watch. So on day three, he misses a birdie putt on 18 that would have given him a course record of 59. The the magical number in golf. 59. That's how well he was playing. He hit a good putt too. I yeah. mean, he had about a 25-footer and it almost went in. What was his lead going into the, the final day? I just I didn't write it down. I think he was tied for the lead, I believe, with uh, Tom Kim, but I, I'd have to check that. A day later, um, he triple bogeys 18 <laughs> um, and has a three-shot loss. It would have been his eighth uh, PGA victory. He's won seven times since 2019. What did you... 30 years of age, he's a FedEx Cup champion, world number four. What, what did you make of that? Because it was, mm. like, extraordinary to see where he found himself and just how he couldn't get out, and then where he found himself when he did get out. Well, whether he makes a triple or a bogey, it doesn't matter. He's going to lose the golf tournament. You know, Parr's yeah. probably going to be a playoff birdie to win. That was yeah. sort of the, you know, the mindset going on to the tee. Him and Tom Kim were tied. Uh, Cantley pulls out three wood and just hits a bit of a, a rope hook, basically. It was mm. a, a quicker swing, one that you don't really see him do under pressure. Now, where the ball finished up, if you were playing, if this was the second or third round, he would have taken a drop, gone back, and then played for bogey. But he knew that, okay, the only chance I've got here to maybe have a chance of winning this golf tournament yep. is to try and get the ball back on the fairway and get it up and down from there. So he took a big risk trying to do it, left it in there. Unfortunately, then he had to take an unplayable. Then he hits it in the water and he ends up holding a 30-footer for a triple bogey. So he, he knew he was out of the tournament. He was in it to win it or finish fifth. It doesn't really bother him whether he finishes runner-up or not. So I understand, you know, he took a real gamble. The mistake was made on the tee shot, pretty simple. And then Tom Kim standing in the middle of the fairway thinking, well, I just got to not hit this in the water. I'm going to win this tournament. And he, he did that very easily. Easy two-part, nice par. And uh, and his second win before the age of 21, which, as you mentioned, Tiger Woods did it in 1996. He's younger than Tiger Woods. And this was one of the tournaments too. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're spot on. The only guy that's ever been younger than him to win at this uh, under-21 is Ralph Guldahl back in, I think, the 1930s or 40s, something like that. But this guy, he's, uh, he's going to be a big player for years to come. Uh, and, and from what we're seeing, the only thing he doesn't have is length. 
Now he's young. He's still probably going to get stronger and f- maybe fill out a bit more, although he's filled out enough, I think. Maybe it's just a matter of uh, getting a bit more muscular and yeah. stronger. That length could possibly come, but he's, he's got all the, all the tools, I guess, you could say, to, uh, to really have a, a very long career in this game. Uh, the best of the Aussies in this, and can we just have a little chat about Jason Day? So understand that it's been, it's been pretty up and down for him over the last few years. He's battled injury. He's battled some other things. As well, um, if you follow him on social media, he, he really, the effort to, to, to you know, he, he's trying to almost, you feel like some of his posts are about revving himself up. I mean, he's really, I feel like he's really working so hard yeah. um, to get back to where he was as a major winner. His last 12 holes, so he finishes tied for eighth, but his last 12 holes, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, 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 birdie. Oh, my gosh. How many unders that? I don't know. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I think we're all rooting. I know he shot 63. Um, we're all rooting for Jason Day, yeah. I think, to, to get back to um, where we where he's been and, and where we hope that he can, yeah. can get to again. But he finished uh, tied for eighth, and it was his, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's his best finish in quite some time. It will be, yeah. I mean, obviously he got to number one in the world yeah. many years ago. Injuries have played a big part in his career as to, been able to sustain that that uh, that level of excellence, but um, it's just good to see him back. And he seems to be healthy. He seems to be playing well. Mm. He used to go at the ball so hard, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he got injured a little bit more often than most other players. It sounds as though he's got that sorted out. Mm. You know, he's he's in a good space. He, he lives um, up in Columbus uh, near Jack Nicholas's golf course, Murfield Village. So that's a that's a pretty cool place to yeah. play and practice out of, I would imagine. Is it now with you golfers, mm. they're always it's, you're always in little communities. You're always yeah. you're always there's no golfer just living alone somewhere well, without any other golfers anywhere near them. Not 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 usually. Not Maybe usually. Tiger. Um who else is around him in that uh, particular area? I actually don't know up there. Yeah. I mean, that particular area, I, I'm not sure why he chose I, I have a feeling he chose it because his wife's from that area. Okay. So that's probably why why he's up there. I know there are other pros up there. I'm just yeah. not sure who. I mean, the most popular spot for pros is Florida. Yeah. You know, down that west That's where you were, wasn't it? Yeah, I was in Orlando in the middle where Tiger used to live and, yeah. until he hit the fire hydrant, obviously. Uh, but there's still probably a good eight to ten pros in the community that I was I yeah. was living in, like who, who Stuart was, Appleby. Yeah, who was in your little um, uh, gang? Gang. Well, there was Stuart <laughs> Appleby, Charles yep. Howell, Bubba for a little while. He was in there. Yep. Uh, Retief Goosen, Trevor Immelman, Tiger, obviously. Uh, you, the list goes on and on. But uh, and players move in and move out as they. George had like barbecues in each other's house <laughs> and stuff like that. Did you? Well, actually, Retief has a great uh, <laughs> a great. He makes a great wine. Does he, uh, he makes his own wine. How do you, what kind of grape are they growing in Florida? Well, yeah, no, it's over in Stellenbosch, uh, over, over in South Africa. Oh, of course, but, uh, yeah. But Stewie's house we were around the most because yeah. my wife, uh, Alana, was great friends with her and still is with, with, with his wife, Ashley. So yeah. you tend to hang out with whoever the wives hang out with, right? Fair enough. <laughs> um, no, that's, uh, that's a great little insight. It was, it was a good result for Jason, as you said there, tied eighth. I mean, it's his best result in some time. Lucas yeah. Herbert tied for 20th, another yeah, solid week for 81, him. Uh, 81 and a half K for him, about 240. 42 for Jason Day, so they're not bad mm. paydays either. I think Luke is going to need that. I think uh, Sam McClure is over there uh, travelling around with him at the moment. Okay. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know who's paying the way, but if, if it is on Lucas, then at least he's been able to fit the bill. Oh, there you go. Put the bill. Yeah. Um, Cam Davis tied for 37th. And our man? Harrison. Yeah. Harrison Endicott. Got a payday. He, he made the cut. That's, that's, and that's what... How big's that? Oh, it is. It's just a confidence builder. You know, even if you make the cut on the number and First you don't have a great yep. weekend, I mean, it just gives 
playing four rounds at these golf to- at these courses because it's his rookie year. He he's he hasn't seen the Shriners course before TPC Summerlin, so to get four rounds on it. That'll just be in his memory bank for next year. Okay, these, this is where the pins are going to be on the weekend. All those little things add up over a, over a period of time and over a career. The only downside for the Aussies was Ryan Ruffles, who, who Monday qualified to get into the tournament, but unfortunately he ended up missing the cut. He didn't have a great week. But um, I've played that a tournament many times. It's one of those courses where you can go extremely low. I played with Kevin Nah there one year when he, he won the tournament. I think he shot eight or nine under a couple of rounds in a row. It was fascinating to watch. Um, but it's a course where if you get uh, the the ball rolling on the greens, because you're going to hit a lot of fairways, a lot of greens around there, and if you get the putter hot, you can light it up. And and that's where Cantley did, obviously, on the Saturday, almost shooting the 59. But uh, all, all credit to Tom Kim. Great start to his career, and we'll see where he takes it. Uh, let's go to this. Hang on. I the group that we've got at the moment. We'll, we'll... No, hang on. That didn't work. <laughs> this has uh, just been part of the little bit of fun we've had today. All right, this will work. Viva Sebi! What was that? Viva Sebi! That was, the, that was the yell from the background. So this was John Rahm's winning putt at the Open Diaspana mm. in, in Madrid. Uh, and the reason they were yelling out Seve's name was Seve won this tournament three times, and that was for John Rahm to equal his record of three wins. And uh, and he did it in style. Unfortunately for the Aussies, he, he did it over Minwoo Lee because Minwoo and him were neck and neck going into the last round, and, yeah. and Minwoo hung with him for quite a Didn't while he? there. He did, yeah. A couple I'll... of Callaway guys just out there together. <laughs> yeah, well. Notice how I've done it again. You've done it again. That's okay. Um now, they, uh, they were sort of neck and neck over the first seven holes. Um, Ram hold a couple of nice putts early. Tried, looked as though he was going to get away from Minwoo, but then he birdied six, eagled seven to get back within one. But then Ram just went on a tear after that and ended up shooting a, a final round of 62, nine under par, yep. which is very impressive. Minwoo fell away a little bit. Solo third, which is a great result for him. Again, Minwoo is one of these players where he's pretty streaky. He can... He can uh, go low and and really contend in tournaments, but he can also miss a lot of cuts as well, which he has done uh, of late. And his world ranking sort of dropped quite a way away. Uh, Frenchman uh, Mathieu Pavon finished in second place, and the only reason he overtook Minwoo was he birdied two of the last three holes. But um, an outstanding effort there from Minwoo to play well at that. I would love that golf course. I've, mm. I've been there quite a few times. I actually finished second there once back almost 20 years ago. I almost, uh, almost won that event, which was a bit of fun. But Who got you? I oh, see. I can't even remember that. That's I put it out of my mind straight away because yep. I didn't win. But uh, I remember playing with Chucky Fowler in the last round. That was fun. But yeah. you know, one of my lasting memories is going to the Plaza Mayor, which is a famous area in Madrid, and you get the tappers and, and the wine, and they had a bull bar there, which is an ode to the, uh, to the bulls, not the bullfighters. And they had all these pictures throughout this tappers bar mm. of you know, certain things going through bullfighters' ankles and legs and things well, like that. Because so. without changing the topic too much, I, I, I when I was a younger, a spry, more spryer gentleman, mm. um, and I don't know if I'd do it now, but back then uh, I ran with the bulls in oh, Pamplona. You did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, almost uh, got uh, taken out twice. That's crazy. Um, didn't like the bullfight. No. Thought it was quite... But, but one thing that people aren't uh, aware of is that bulls are sacred. To the Spanish, they I can't are. speak of it. Where else they 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 have matadors around the world? But if 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 the crowd feel like you have disrespected, actually, the year I did it, Dennis Rodman did it uh, oh. as well. <laughs> um, and and the crowd, if they feel like you've disrespect and been too hard, like if you've mistreated the bull, then they do this whistle, which is like a boo. 
Um, so the bulls are considered to be sacred um, and, and, and uh, to be treated as such. I know it doesn't make much sense given what bullfighting yeah. is. But, yeah, it's a fascinating part of the Spanish culture. So um, I'm not surprised that there is a bar that is in... Yeah, in reverence, yeah. In reverence. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I can't remember the name of it, but if you get to the Madrid, go and look it up. It's a, it's a magic. I love Madrid, mm. the town itself. But the golf course is, is very impressive. A lot of elevation changes. Uh, greens are quite small. You have to work your ball around there. And they're in a run of about three events on the DP World Tour where they're going to continue to play in Spain. So got, mm. I think Valderrama's coming up next, which is a, a, a wonderful event there over in Europe. Um, the only other Aussie to make the cut was Maverick Ancliffe, who finished in 62nd place. We had a couple of guys miss the cut, unfortunately. But um, it's great to see John Rahm obviously playing in his National Open, supporting the DP World Tour. He ended up moving up one spot from six to now number five in the world rankings. Yeah, he did. Uh, got the 18 points for that. And I think Tom Kim moved up to 15th from 21st, if I'm... And he's not even 21. Some not even 21. Yeah, you're right. He's moved up to 15. Uh, still so much to talk about. You can talk with us. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 on Off The Tee. Sam Hargraves and Nick Ahern with you. Or you can text us 0433 98 We've got so much still to get through. Uh, of course, we're going to tap into Nick's knowledge, all thanks to Ping. Uh, very, very good sponsors uh, and supporters of this show. So for Ping, Nick's knowledge uh, will be before the end of the show where he'll share a tip from his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. He'll take us to a course uh, that he's played around the world that you can play as part of Big Swing Golf. And there is so much to talk about with Liv. Uh, and there's some great stories for Aussies uh, abroad and also the schedule for the Australian Summers out, Nick, which we will go through um, as it well. And did we do your big reveal um, for the uh, Cathedral Invitation? Was that last week? We did that last week, but a couple more big names uh, have added to the list, so we'll talk about that a little okay. bit later. Uh, this is Off The Tee on SEN. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. I mean, they're delaying the inevitable. We've hit every mark in their criteria. So for us not to get points is kind of crazy with having the top, oh, at least I believe we have the top players in the world. Um, uh, not all of them, but we certainly believe that there's enough that are in the top 50 and we deserve to be getting world ranking points. When they keep holding it back, they're just going to keep playing a waiting game where we're going to keep dropping down in the rankings to where our points won't ever matter. And that's what they're trying to accomplish. And I hope that um, people can see right through that rather than believe the, the lies that they've been told. Um, from my perspective, I think uh, we deserve points. Nick Ahern on Off the Tee. Who was that and what, pray tell, <laughs> are they referring to? That would be Bryson DeChambeau. Heard of him? Yes, you've heard of him. Talking about official world golf ranking points that mm. should be allocated to the Live Golf Tournaments. Because apparently, according to Bryson, they're hitting every mark in the criteria to get world ranking points, which is possibly the most delusional thing I think I've heard him say in a while. <laughs> well, how come? Well, you know, the criteria for world ranking points, there's a number of things that you that you need to mm. do. And and look, I mean, to give you a bit of a brief history on official world golf world rankings, they've been around about 36 years or so. 1986 is when they started and mm-hmm. they've been around a while and, and they yeah. really serve just, you know, professional golf to give a list of who is the best player in the world pretty much and who gets into certain tournaments. Now, there's calls of late we shouldn't have any world rankings. I find that difficult to believe because then you, how are you going to know who should get into what? That's a big part about yep. it. So, you know, Liv, obviously, they don't get these world ranking points because 
they don't hit certain criteria to uh, be able to get points at a, at a golf tournament. Um, number one being they, they, they don't have a cut, for example. That there's one of the criterias. Another one being um, they, there's no qualifying system to get in to the live tour. Um, that's, that's part of the – there needs to be mm. a pathway. So that's another one. 72 holes generally, but there are tours that do have, do have 54 holes, so that's probably not one of those criteria, I would say. You need to have an average field size of 75 players or more, and obviously with only 48 players on live, that's a bit of a struggle. Um, so they're sort of the things that he you know, is, is talking about, that they have hit those marks, which is, which is completely false. So I don't know what marks he's thinking that they're hitting. However, you know, the big news this past week was how they um, partnered with the MENA tour. So before you get to explain <laughs> who MENA is, okay. what MENA is, and, and how this would have worked, so Greg Norman's been at this for a while saying the rankings will come, we will, we will find a way to make this happen. And maybe this is why he was so confident. Mm. The, this partnership, as it was called, and he tweeted at the DP tour and the PGA about this is what a you know, partner, I think it was this is what a partnership looks like. He's been described as a diabolical genius. He is, he is playing the role of, you know, uh, evil villain, villain genius, <laughs> mar- criminal, mar- not criminal, I shouldn't say criminal. Mastermind, I don't know. Yeah, so. um, he's playing the bad guy mastermind role very well, Greg Norman. So explain what Mina is and just what exactly what it was that Greg Norman and Liv had almost successfully mm. done. So, so because they're not getting world ranking points, because there is a process for this, mm. you know, it usually takes about a year. Once you have all this criteria that I just mentioned, then you have to comply with it for a year, one year. So they're at least a year away to getting world ranking points, obviously. Yeah. Now, there's calls from everyone, every, every, you know, all these different sides, I guess you could say, especially the players that are playing live, we, we want these world ranking points. Now, I woke up the other day and, and I saw on, I think it was Twitter or something like that, or even a news, uh, an article that says, right, we're, we're getting world ranking points this week. Fantastic. Live golf and all this. And I thought, hang on, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. More I looked into it, I thought, okay, so what they've done, there is a tour called the MENA Tour, M-E-N-A, and that stands for Middle East North Africa. So that, that's a tour which is based out of Dubai. They actually haven't had a tournament in two and a half, three years. I mean, yeah, because uh, of COVID, it's been inactive. It, it's been inactive, yeah. The typical purse prize or the purse fund on this tour is $75,000 per event, which is a little right. bit away from the $20 million that Live Golf offers in their tournaments. Just a touch off. So what's happened is they've decided to partner or, or all Live players joined the MENA tour because MENA actually have world ranking points at their tournaments. Mm. So now, interesting move here. I mean, it was a ballsy call by Greg and, yep. and obviously the, all the, the Live team behind him. They've gone... Okay, we are now affiliated with uh, MENA, and this next event in Bangkok is a MENA golf tournament, you know, with, with live golfers playing. Yep. So... And the same with the next tournament in Jeddah, yeah, which exactly. is later exactly. this month. Yeah, so it was a big call, and um, they put their application forward to the official world rankings and said, um, we should be able to get ranking points off this, and they've gone and gone, hmm, hang on. Uh, this suspiciously looks like a live uh, tour event <laughs> rather than a MENA tour event. And they denied him the points for, for this week. Now, how long this goes on for, I really don't know. So, officially, um, there was a statement that came out that said, OWGR, official World Golf Ranking, notes that the first two tournaments in this series appeared to be the same as the Live Golf <laughs> Invitational Series tournaments in Bangkok and Jeddah. 
The communication from the Minotaur included a starting field data file for the Bangkok tournament, confirming that to be the case. A review of the changes to the Minotaur is now underway. Notice of these changes given by the Minotaur is insufficient to allow OWGR to conduct the customary necessary review ahead of the Live Golf Invitational Bangkok, and which has just been run and won, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and the Live Golf Invitational Jeddah, October 14th to 16th. Only after the review is complete will a decision to be made uh, will a decision be made on awarding points to the MENA Tour's new limited field tournaments? Um, it's interesting looking at their new schedule too because they have 10 events at $75,000 and 10 events at $20 million. So there's a bit of a differential there. The uh, golfers on the tour, as we know, have been banned from the PGA Tour. They've been uh, ruling out American players from qualifying for the Ryder Cup. European stars to have left for live, Westwood Poulter, Garcia, have all plummeted down the world rankings, making it unlikely um, for them to make the Ryder Cup team. So there's a whole lot of ramifications of this. But um, So that's a fascinating, another fascinating turn of events in this live golf journey that um, more and more, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll ask you about this on the other side of the break, because even the staunchest of critics are now... Not softening, but certainly more open, and Roy McIlroy is one of them, to negotiations, peace talks. Is he? Treaty. Okay, I'll be interested to hear what he has to I'll, say. I'll read so. it out to you um, in a moment, but we should quickly just touch on that the, the event, their last event, the second last event of their season. They've already crowned their um, inaugural yes. champion, uh, Dustin Johnson. The individual title he was crowned yes. for the series. Yeah. Um, just in case you were wondering what he gets for that, a $28 million bonus. Bonus. It's insane, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, it's sickening um, in a way. Um, rising star. Now, this is a big story in, in European yes. golf because, um, and you'll help me with the pronunciation because mm. you're such a well-traveled, oh, worldly yeah, gentleman. <laughs> um, but I'll go with Eugenio Lopez Shakara. Perfect. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's pretty good, yeah. The, the, the Eugenio was the Eugenio, hard one. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> only turned professional in June this year has... Walked away with a $5.4 million payday. He won uh, his first tournament in Bangkok. Um, he decided to join Liv instead of the PGA Tour. Um, he landed his first big check. He held off uh, former Masters winner Patrick Reed by three strokes uh, at Stonehill Golf Club. Um, opening two rounds of 65 and 63, uh, finished on 19 under. Mm. Yeah, it was a great win by, by the young man. And, and as you said, he's 22 years old. Former number two amateur in the world, two-time All-American out of Oklahoma State. He's Which got, is, that's a big golf he's school, got isn't game. it? That's massive. Yeah. yeah, it is a big golf school there. And and look, uh, this is where it gets interesting, you know, where they're saying, oh, well, he should be awarded world ranking points, things like that. It, it's a tough one. He hasn't gone through all the hard yards that a lot of players that have gone through the Corn Ferry, the PGA Tour, the European, you name all the tours in the world. Professional golf is is cutthroat, and you have to earn your stripes. Mm. He kind of hasn't earned his stripes in a, in a way. I mean, he has obviously beating beating all the players and and winning that event. And I take my hat off to him. And I can see that for a young player now coming out of college, there's this massive carrot being dangled at you with all this money. Why wouldn't you take it? Why Why don't you go? Okay, I'm. I know I'm probably going to make a good five to ten, fifteen, maybe. $20 million over the next few years mm. if I play well enough, rather than going to the mini tours, going to the Corn Ferry Tour, going yep. to play over in Asia or something like that where you may just not succeed. 
And the and 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 the very the thing is, how old is he? Uh, Twenty two. Yeah, so he very well way he very may well go and do that. Yeah, in may, a couple of years' time, and he might do it with, as you said, fifteen to twenty mil on his skyrocket, mm. which means that he doesn't have that added stress that so many players have to to grind it out on the lower level tours to get their card. Now that might be upsetting for some, but again, what upsets us more is probably the fact that he's got the choice. And well, he's choosing this path first, mm, and he yeah. may very well go back to, to doing it the traditional way, but he'll do it from a position. And you might make the argument, Nick, that, well, some of the you get the best out of yourself when you need to be fed. And, you, you know, so yeah. the hunger, will the hunger be there? Yeah. I, I remember strokes, the, the, the most, the, the least stressful events I ever played was usually the World Golf Championships when there mm. were no cuts or anything like that, and you were guaranteed. Uh, we're going to come back. There's still a couple of live things to put on the agenda. And Nick Ahern, I'm going to give you the ad break to answer this question that's come off the text from Michael because I think it's a good one. Mm. Commonwealth Games, uh, we're thinking that uh, the, the belief is, has it been officially announced yet? Yeah, well, yes, I saw it the other day. Commonwealth Games uh, golf is coming to Victoria. Yes, so at the Victorian Com Games, golf will be part of the Commonwealth Games. So the question from Michael is which course Ooh. should they play? Let me have a think about that one. On the other side of the break, we'll get an answer for that and we'll go through your other text too. 0433 98 11 16 on the 40 Winks Temper Text. This is Off the Tee, a dedicated golf show, part of the Sporting Capital on SEN. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, we're loving the interaction off the 40 Wings Temper Tech, 0433981116. A great question from Michael, Nick, before the break. Mm. Um, Commonwealth Games coming in uh, 2026. Six. Regional Victoria yes. hosting the Com Games. Uh, mm. That's the important caveat to note. Michael wanting to know where should, because golf is one of the three uh, captain's picks. Yeah. <laughs> for just continuing on the golf analogies, like <laughs> it was a, a Ryder Cup. Um one of the three captain's picks of sports to be included is golf. So Michael wants to know where should the Commonwealth Games golf be played, 2026 Com Games? Well, I'd love it if it could go to the National. I think that would be fantastic down there on the Mornington Peninsula. You've got three really yep. world-class golf courses, amazing facilities. That would be awesome. You know, it's got a bit Beautiful of a regional, scenery to yeah, regional the ocean. vibe to it. Um, well, I'd consider Mornington Peninsula yeah, regional. I think so. Or if you go across the other side, you've got 13th Beach where they've had the Vic Open. Yep. I, I really like that. They've got 36 holes there. Uh, you know, being a Perth boy originally, I've only been in Melbourne a few years. I haven't played a lot of the country courses, so I don't know too many of them. Can you throw a couple at me? Oh, Rich River, okay. I think, is, right. uh, is a beautiful course. Could play it in Bendigo. They're playing some other okay. stuff there. Yeah. Nianga, it's uh, probably maybe not. Um, that's where Lucas Herbert's home course is. So, um, no, I think those are some great okay. options. Mm. But I think um, along the river, there's and people will be able to tell us off the text zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen the best regional courses that you've played in uh, around Victoria. I was going to Google it during the break, but it was doing some other things. But I'm hoping that the off the tr- uh, off the tee. Uh, list uh, the family might be able just to give us a few Please. recommendations. Do you know I, where it would be good? Well, I, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> cathedral. Well, yeah, can Dave Evans yeah. not open up Cathedral well, for the Com Games? Maybe. I'll have to have a word to David and Sonia <laughs> and, and see what they say. But I, I actually want people to, to, to ring in or, or text mm. in and, and give me some recommendations of where I should be playing because I want to play a lot of these regional courses that I haven't been what able about to. about the Dunes? Uh, the Junes is very nice. Yeah. And that's on the way down to yeah, the Mornington, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we can 
yeah. classify that. Classify as, that. Well, yeah. do you, people from Mornington tell me: Do you consider yourself to be part of Metro Melbourne, or do you consider yourself mm. to be, um, a, you know, out of the city in a, in a, in a regional location? Well, during lockdown, I think it was regional. They, well, no, they, <laughs> no, that was what upset them uh, very, <laughs> upset them greatly. Um, yeah. So keep. Send your recommendations through the best regional golf courses in Victoria, 0433 98 uh, 11 16 on the 40 Winks temper text. Um, the idea that there is a softening of the hardline stances that have been in place by some key players who have railed against the live uh, golf, the breakaway tour. John Rahm who has stayed with the PGA has real concerns about the Ryder Cup being one-sided. And given that a lot of the walk-up starts to the Ryder Cup um, probably can't play now, he's, from what I'm reading, in a, in a, and this is an article on the Fox Sports website um, by uh, Christy Doran, is saying that he has urged administrators to allow the Rebels a chance to compete in the tournament. Speaking that uh, also that Rory McIlroy said, I don't want a fractured game, I never have. Um you can't let it go too much longer. So I'm all for everyone sitting around a table and trying to figure out something uh, for sure. Mm. I know we talk about this each week, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, I'm curious to know who John Rahm is thinking would make the European Ryder Cup team from the live players. That's that's who I'd like to know. Um, I mean, I don't think Sergio is really playing well enough. Uh, Lee Westwood's pretty much, he's played his last one. Poulter's not playing well enough. Uh, who else have we got on the European side of things? Henrik Stenson, he's a, well, he was, he was meant the to captain. be a cup captain, but that didn't happen, obviously. So, I mean, yeah, I, with, there's, there's a real young, strong um, core coming through on the European sides. Now, are they as good as the Americans? Of course not. I mean, um, the American nucleus now is, is set in stone for almost for the next 10 years. They've got a very, very strong uh, team. And again, on the American side, who would... Who would play there? I think the only ones might be Dustin Johnson and maybe Taylor Gooch. That'd be about it. DeChambeau? No. No. Brooks no, Kepka, Patrick you... Reed, probably just They're not playing well enough. I no. mean, if you look at what they've shot in these events and, and everything, it, since they've gone to live, you've sort of almost forgotten about them. Some great nominations coming through about regional Victorian golf courses that could be the home of the Commonwealth Games uh, golf. Uh, we've got uh, the Murray course at Yarrawonga. Actually, I've played that. Have you? That's a beautiful course. Okay. Fantastic course. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, if, it was, if we're talking regional New South Wales, I'd say Bonville without a doubt. Um, Gisborne. That course. I haven't okay. played Gisborne. Have you played Gisborne? No, I've got to write these down. So, I'll Gisborne. Play. All right. Uh, Trentham's a... No, uh, yeah, Trentham's a nice little course. Um, Moona Links. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that beautiful course at Moona Links. Played a couple of Australian Opens down there. Back yeah. nine, I uh, hit eight out of nine fairways there once. Oh, okay. just having a couple That's of why you away. remember it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Three-putted everything well, after that. <laughs> that happens. Uh, potentially Kingswood's coming through uh, as well. So keep sending those through. It's a, it's a great little um, – and surely has to be the iconic Rosebud mini golf course. So that's <laughs> come through uh, as well. Mornington is regional. The National is the only option outside of potentially Kingswood for a competitive setup. That's come through from Nathan mm. um, as well. Just some other results that we should be uh, pretty excited about. I was rapt to see uh, Grace Kim, who we've been following with great interest on the Epson Tour. Um, didn't play in the final tournament, um, but had enough points in the bank that she will now front up for the LPGA. I've said a few times that uh, in the Western Open as part of the New South Wales Regional Series, I watched her go around and come second by just a stroke to Daniel Gale, um, playing against the men. 
mm. and was just time after time so blown away in her first, I think it was her first or second tournament as a professional playing against the men. Just the radar in which, I mean, darts at a dartboard stuff with her approach shots, just yeah, she, plonked them. She's world class, that's for sure. Yep. I remember watching her, uh, I think she came runner-up to Suo in the Australian PGA Championship uh, last year and... And ever since I saw her play that, I thought, wow, this, this girl's really good. And uh, she unfortunately missed the cut in the last event, the Tour Championship. But she, because she was fourth going into it, she only slipped back one spot to fifth out of the ten cards that they give. Uh, unfortunately, the other two players who were in the running was uh, Gabby Ruffles, Ryan's sister. Yeah. She finished tied 11th in the golf tournament but slipped down the list to 15th. <sighs> and then Robin Choi finished tied for 20th and came 17th. So they'll, they'll be going through... Um, I guess the Q series, which is a you know the qualifying school to get into the LPGA tour as well. So that's another route they can do. As far as the other tournaments go, on the LPGA, for instance, uh, Karis Davidson had a nice result, uh, tied for thirty second, along with Sarah Kemp and Steph Kiriako tied for sixty six. That was in the LPGA Medi Hill Championship in California. Uh, there was an Englishman, uh, English uh, lady, Jody Hewitt. Shadoff went wide and wide. One stroke win in her 246th start, her first Brilliant. win on tour. Is that right? Amazing. I mean, you've got to take your hat off to her. That was to have that uh, longevity in the game for one, but just to keep persevering and, and to finally get that win is it was incredible. I watched the end of it and, and I was almost crying watching it. It was brilliant, but uh, um, great result for her. And another one, a bloke you know well, don't you? Elvis Smiley um, yes. on the qualifying school stage, one of the DP World Tour playing uh, at Mottram St Andrew, uh, Champneys Mottram Hall in Cheshire. In England, tied for second um, yep. in that behind uh, the winner. Um, two through. shots back, uh, Takumi uh, Kanaya. Got through first stage of the European or DP World Tour qualifying school. Yeah, there's mm. three stages. So he got through the first one, which was great. He had Mike Clayton on his bag, his good mate, which uh, caddying for him, which was a bit of fun. Uh, the second stage for him and also another uh, local Melbourneian who's going over, uh, Blake Collier, who got through the first stage at uh, Rosebud. And some others. Uh, that's coming up first week in November in Spain, the second stage. And the Australian PGA Professionals Championship finished today in stunning Yarra Yarra. This has come through from Andrew, who's contributing nicely. Um, Scott Lake. I'm guessing Scott Lake. Yeah. yeah. Um, the two leading finishes going to start in the PGA Championship at Royal Queensland. So it's an important tournament. Scott gave up uh, his place to third place. TJ King and Jaden Cripps qualified for that. So congratulations to them. Hey, we're almost out of time, so we've got to come back with uh, the course that you're going to recommend that we uh, front up to if we're going to go to Big Swing Golf that you've played in real time, and it's almost just as good um, if you're playing at Big Swing Golf. And the tip of the week, we've got a question coming through from the tip of the week too from Mark. So um, we're going to read that out to you. A couple more suggestions, Cape Shank uh, mm-hmm. coming through. I played there uh, a couple of weeks ago, there, and, and the name is very befitting of the, the way <laughs> I went around in it. Um, Warnable. I haven't played in Warnable, so that's coming out. And St Andrews Beach in Fingal has to be the best regional course. Very technical and often challenging with the winds coming off Bass Strait. That's from Jace in Mornington. Uh, we will finish up with Nick's knowledge, a tip from his book, How to Play Your Best Golf, and our Big Swing Golf segment after this on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast.
Uh, Big Swing Golf is the supreme golf simulator. Indoor golf, it's real, it's fun, it's fast, a massive screen, selection of exciting virtual games. Big Swing Golf delivers. It's a one-of-a-kind simulation. It's fun for golfers and non-golfers alike and a great time you'll always have heading to Big Swing Golf. They're all up and down the eastern seaboard. Bigswinggolf.com.au. 84 courses uh, that are around the world and in Australia that you can play in simulator style. Nick Ahern takes us to one every week. Where are we going this week, Nick? We're going, just because we're talking about Jason Day in Ohio, where he lives, we're going to mm. go to Firestone Country Club, Ooh, which is in yes. Akron, Ohio. Yes. Yeah, they used LeBron's to have... LeBron's hometown. Exactly. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, they used to have the uh, the Bridgestone Invitational there every yep. year, a World Golf Championship. They still have the Senior Opens there as well. Uh, an amazing golf course. Very tough test, though. You, you've got to drive the ball very well there. There's some strong par fours, so a lot mm. of long par fours. Get your long iron and your driver in check. And fairly small greens, but it's one of my favourites uh, in in the state of Ohio. Murfield Village was great, but uh, if you get a chance to play Firestone, it is it's going to test your game out no end. And famous for what moment? Tiger Woods winning in the dark. If you have a look it up on YouTube or yep. whatever, you'll see him hitting this shot. And basically, I don't know how he even saw the green, but he hit an amazing iron over the tree. The 18th hole, he got a big tree in front of the green. That's one to remember. And he hit this shot to about three wood. Uh, three feet to beat uh, Jim Furyk in a playoff. Bigswinggolf.com.au. We are so wrapped to have them on board off the tee. It's indoor golf. It's real. It's fun. It's fast. If you haven't been yet, you are seriously missing out. The best simulator experience in the business. Um, each week, all thanks to our very good friends at Ping Golf, uh, we like to bring you the Ping Play Your Best Golf Tip from Nick Ahern's book, How to Play Your Best Golf. Use Ping Golf Equipment so you can play your best. There's a question that's come through from Mark off the text. Nick, I've read your books and they've definitely helped my game almost at single figures. However, biggest issue for me is lag putting. Three putts are ruining my scores. Any tips, Mark? Yeah, most uh, three putts come because of the speed issues. I might have spoken about this before. However, it's so important in the game of golf because three putts are the most common sort of things that happen on the green. You probably three putt more than you one putt, a lot of people. Mm. And that always has to do with speed. Three putts come because you either go too long or too short. You're never really too wide. And speed has to do with, a lot of it has to do with your stroke. So what you want to do is you want to match your backswing and your follow-through in length and in speed. What I see happening with a lot of people is they have a very short backswing and then they hit the ball harder or softer depending on how far the putt is. So they're not really maintaining a nice rhythm and a tempo. So rhythm and tempo is the key. The other thing I would recommend is actually practice your short putts, your three and four or five footers, because if you hold them on a regular basis, long putts become much easier because you think, well, if I hit the three or four or five feet, well, it doesn't matter so much. So then that frees you up on those longer putts. Um, and you've spoken in the book before about how you break down the, I suppose, sections of the long mm. putt. Yeah, you can, the way you read the green is really important as well. And, and one thing I've always said, and I've spoken about this before, is look, whenever you read a putt, look from the side, especially the low side of the putt, because you'll see more of the break from there. The Australian summer starts in earnest uh, this weekend. We're so excited uh, the uh, Australasian PGA tournaments that are starting. And where are you headed uh, this weekend? This week is the WA PGA Championship uh, in Kalgoorlie. I'm really looking forward to commentating that on the weekend. So it's the start of a good run of events. We've got the WA PGA, then the WA Open, Vic PGA, Queensland PGA, Australian PGA, all these PGAs. And then the big one, the Australian Open, followed by an even bigger one, the Cathedral Invitational. Yes. Uh, a thousand order merits points for the tournament this weekend, defending champion Jay McKenzie. And then it's to um, the WA Go- uh, Open Golf Championship. Braden Becker uh, won that last year. 
uh, and then heading to the Victorian PGA November 10th to 13th. Blake Windred was the winner last year. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds. You should go down and have a look at that one, the Vic PGA. It's down at Rosebud. Great tournament, I think. Is my, it Vic PGA? Is that where it is? Spent part of his I childhood there. Moon Lynx. Moon Lynx, sorry. I'm thinking TPS yeah. Victoria. But another quality golf course. You'll really enjoy it. Uh, and you just wanted to send a quick cheerio on the 20 seconds we've got left. Uh, yes. Well, so last week, um, unfortunately, there was a famous uh, female golfer, Margie Masters, passed away at the age of 87 in America. She was actually one of Australia's greatest women pros, a pioneer for women in the game of golf. She passed away in Tucson, Arizona. So all the best to her family. And um, we send our condolences. That's it from Off the Tee. If you missed anything, sen.com.au to get the podcast. We will be back with you same time next week. Until then, enjoy. Go hit them. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.